to the Ready for Polyamory podcast, season two, episode 11. This week, uh, we have Ken Briota here with us, and we're talking about legal hypotheticals and the increased uh, progress in legal recognition of polyamory, specifically in the United States. So we're going to be talking a little bit about actual laws and legal progress, and primarily we're going to be talking in hypotheticals today. Now, none of this is actual legal advice. We're not lawyers. And so, generally speaking, if you have any kind of actual legal issue, please do speak with a lawyer. Don't take any of this as a given. So, of course, as always, you can find the blog at readyforpolyamory.com, and there was an article about this a couple of weeks ago. You can find... Uh, the Patreon at patreon.com slash ready for polyamory and the Ko-Fi at ko-fi.com slash ready for polyamory if you want to give us some financial support for which we'd be eternally grateful. So let's roll right into our conversation about this. So I'm here with Ken and we are talking a little bit today about uh, legal progress that's been going on for polyamorous people and polyamorous relationships both in the last couple of years and uh, sort of going on into the future. Hashtag not legal advice, but trust me, I'm a doctor. He's not a doctor of any kind. Very much not legal advice, though. Not legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. Most preachers say that they're doctors. That is a lie. You can't be doctor of divinity that's a doctor of imaginary things i'm just as a doctor <laughs> you guys i have face palmed at least twice already i can't even with him i just can't welcome to ready for dr amory i'm getting ignored for my excellent portmanteau joke and i don't appreciate it so your excellent portmanteau aside. It was not a good portmanteau. It don't, was really, really not. I don't want your patronizing except Look, my jokes. I want your unwilling, forcible laughter at my jokes. Then tell better jokes. Oh, oh, <laughs> salty. I guess we're ready to talk about politics now that we've covered religion. <laughs> so uh, as folks may or may not know, uh, just before the pandemic became a huge problem, in fact, just a couple of days before we locked down, uh, Somerville, Mass. became the first city in the United States to legalize multi-partner domestic partnerships. And this was kind of a it was advertised as being snuck in under the wire of their legislative session. And it was uh, published in their local paper and eventually in the Boston Globe and the New York Times and all of these different sort of various papers. But the actual law wasn't particularly kind of edited to be thought through for multi-partner domestic partnerships so much as just had some plurals thrown in. They didn't consider how polyamory actually works for this. It was just that one of the city council members was like, well, hey, have you guys heard of polyamory? 
uh, it's this thing where people have more than one romantic partner. And uh, I know a lot of people here in Somerville who do it. Uh, we should accommodate for it. <laughs> and they did, partly because there are a bunch of people who work for the city who do it, and they wanted to make sure that they were allowing to insure all of their employees fairly. So when Cambridge came around a couple of months later and was like, we would also like to pass a law like this. We can't let Somerville outdo us. <laughs> the polyamorous residents of Cambridge were like, we need to do some research and write a better law. And between the fact that they wanted to write a better law and the fact that the pandemic hit right then, they spent the entire next year writing a better law. So they've been holding public hearings off and on uh, via Zoom and in person, depending, over the entire next year. And they're still tweaking it. So they're now pretty much towards the end of it. Uh, their take on it is basically that there's a bunch of different dimensions and dynamics that you kind of have to take into account in terms of, do you only want to count people who live in the same household? Do you want to count multiple households so long as they're all in your town? Is it okay if only some of the people live in your town uh, so long as they're all in the same relationship? Are you only counting triads that are involved together or do V's count? Who are you counting as a relationship? And in Cambridge, they actually debated all of this. In Somerville, they just went, anybody, as long as they're together, they're in love. <laughs> This is so emblematic of the main differences between Somerville and Cambridge as communities. Yeah, uh, it really is. And the end effect was basically that Somerville's language ended up being sort of baseline really inclusive and Cambridge's also did, but only by accident. Yeah, Cambridge was being very uh, prescriptive and therefore ended up being inclusive right. by just more deliberate, right? Yeah. Uh, and now it's a whole year later. So over that year, we've gotten to the point where polyamorous activists in Washington, D.C. have decided that they're going to try to get the city of Washington, D.C. to adapt their very comprehensive domestic partnership laws to also cover polyamorous people but they're going to do so by taking the Somerville approach. They're just going to add plurals to every single clause in DC's comprehensive domestic partnership laws. Which I kind of wish they hadn't. Like I like the Somerville approach better, I guess, because it is sort of more wibbly wobbly, but I think that it opens itself up to more challenge over time. Um. I don't know. I kind of wish that they'd gone with the Cambridge approach because I think it's a little bit more ironclad when the inevitable legal challenges occur. So the DC law basically exists for explicitly covering medical insurance, medical visitation, inheritance, and uh, child custody. Which so, I guess. 
Right. So it's the big, important sort of buckets, right? So by covering the big, important marriage buckets and by going through each of those buckets and their subclauses and through every subclause changing partner to partners, they feel like they're making sure that they're covering all of the all of the wiggle room. I don't know whether they actually are, but they feel like that's the best way to cover it without requiring you to jump through 16 hoops. Can't we just abolish all marriage and relationship law and just let people make contracts? (laughs) Obviously, I am (laughs) anti-marriage. How does your wife feel about that? I mean, I assume... I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I'm just saying. What about your husband? You got remarried. It's true. I feel like uh, just all of these issues become less complex if we do not have what is functionally a religious institution enshrined in secular law. And let any, I can make a contract with any person I want for anything I want. If I don't call it marriage, I can say, like, I can write a will that says anybody I want inherits my stuff or anybody I want gets my power of attorney or anyone I want can visit me in a hospital because they have that power of attorney. All I have to do is not call it marriage and I can do that already. So maybe we just, you know, stop doing marriage and start just doing contracts or even better, stop telling people who they can and can't do stuff with at all, maybe. Viva la revolucion. He clearly only speaks English and also... That was extremely well pronounced. Look at this libertarian, guys. <laughs> Look at this libertarian in his 40s. <laughs> I'm just saying it would be better for everyone if no hospitals could say you can't visit this person. If no cops could ever show up at my house and be like, you're not allowed to do that thing that doesn't inflict upon anyone else anything. Just saying. There's a pandemic on. None of us can visit in hospitals. Yeah, I understand that. But like, I'm talking about like non-pandemic times. I know. I'm like grinning really huge. (laughs) Do we even live in a society? There are people who still wear their masks under their noses. That's true. People are jerks. Die in a fire. People who do that. So I left a lot of white space around that comment. So you could cut that comment out, but leave my now after commentary about the comment that you cut out. (laughs) No, I'm leaving it. So, but okay, to the point. So we've got a bunch of sort of small bottom-up activism happening here on the East Coast in uh, Massachusetts and DC, widely recognized as some fairly liberal areas. Mm -hmm. Um, We also are about 10 years after uh, the Newfies and the Labradors did similar uh, Mm -hmm. in Canada. Uh, Although that was done via courts, if I remember that case correctly. Yep. There's uh, Californians who are jointly on their kid's birth certificate. 
there's a bunch of custody cases in several different states where after uh, different custody agreements were made, there are three parents jointly seen as parents in various different states, not just on the East Coast, but also on the West Coast and a couple in the Midwest. But none of those are on birth certificates except the ones in California. There's some uh, ad hoc custom legislation here in Connecticut that was is fairly recent around custody agreements um, for multiple caregivers and partners. I believe it's not legislation; it's just a precedent. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. Um, uh, corrected, uh, withdrawn, counselor. <laughs> um, but I am not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. I mean, to be fair, you are more of a lawyer than I am. But I'm not a lawyer. I am not on the bar in any state in the union. <laughs> you could be on the bar in Louisiana anytime you want. So could I, technically. They still don't require law school for that. I am shaking my head rapidly. Neither of us is admitted to any bar. Do no. not take any of these statements <laughs> as legal advice. No, no, no. We said that at the beginning, hashtag not legal advice. Uh, so we are talking about the possibilities of uh, polyamorous acceptance in the United States. Uh, Being in a, enshrined in law. Yeah. There are, I think, uh, only about three ways that this could happen, hypothetically. And all of the ones that we've been discussing are real world examples that have been happening basically bottom up, starting with local uh, efforts and legislation or small uh, jurisdiction court cases. Correct. Um, or some contract law uh, precedent and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, this is sort of the way all social uh, change happens at first and never the way it finishes. So I'm uh, curious where you think the next steps will go. I know where I would like to see it go, but we'll talk about that later. Where do you think it will go? So I think most social movements see a growth in public acceptance prior to sort of legal change which is then followed by a sea change in public opinion right so you get a swing of social change followed by a legal change followed by a sea change in social opinion and we are now in the first of those two social attitude changes so we're getting some of the acceptance but not all of it. So we've still got a lot of folks who have a lack of understanding from their families or a lack of understanding from the communities around them. Uh, but their situations are being more understood and polyamory is kind of having a moment in a weird way. Um, <laughs> Look, HBO just released a brand new series that I haven't watched yet, but looks like it's going to be awful. It's a series, not a movie. 
I don't know. It's a thing. It's a movie. Is it a movie? It looks like it's going to be just terrible. Yeah, somebody nominated it for an award. That I think means I have to watch it, and I don't want to. Um, about sex, probably, because they're all about sex, and so it has to be given an award. It's on HBO, and it's about sex. There are rules in the cinema industry. Don't make faces at me. Media criticism. We'll talk about that in a different episode. <laughs> season three episode two <laughs> um but i think that in a perfect world the bottom-up approach is the best way to make social change because it allows the local communities to handle things in the most sort of local way in a poorly constructed country like the united states is abolish state borders abolish national borders bottom-up approach is how that first phase happens and then you have to have a legal shift in the u.s because because of the way our states are constructed you need to have some kind of legal shift to force the second half to happen well right and the problem is because of the way the states work um especially with respect to social issues that are largely not the jurisdiction of the federal government we end up with a lot of uneven uh coverage in social issues as we've discovered over and over and over again in this country Mm -hmm. which is why i think that the most sort of i don't know if you want to move to hypotheticals yet but the most sort of realistic way to get progress here is going to have to be done in the short term um And I think that the time to strike is sort of politically now, while the iron is hot. Unfortunately, our president's a coward and our vice president's a cop. And um, we're stuck. Um, But I would like to see Biden executive order the federal employees uh, into acceptance for the purpose of medical insurance and like the practical aspects And once you've got a major employer like the federal government recognizing it, the insurance companies are going to have to create mechanisms for it. Mm -hmm. It lowers the bar for other companies to offer it. And then what will happen is, again, I'm talking about this politically, not sort of in terms of uh, legality and and things like that. The political um, move for the Democrats then is to push back against the overreach of the federal government uh, in public by proposing law, federal law that recognizes uh, uh, multi-partner rights that way the to overrule basically the executive order and then push it through while they still hold majorities. And that way you cut out the thing that I'm most worried about, which is this becoming a a judicial path dispute. Because I think that as a general rule, the judicial branch is the the most conservative. Certainly at the moment, it is the most conservative branch. And it is also the the least progressive in terms of willingness to change things. Mm-hmm. And by design, the, legis- the the judicial branch should be about the existing law, not making new law. 
So my worry is that these local cases and local ordinances, which is basically all they are at this point, get challenged, get appealed, end up in district court. And then if there is no federal law or jurisdiction or precedent established yet, that will successfully make it to a conservative Supreme Court who will then basically cast it all down and will be forced to have the the have Congress then overturn a Supreme Court ruling, which they are often loath to do. And the conservatives in Congress will have a lot more ammo to uh, argue against it because they'll say this has been decided in the courts. We don't need to have to take this issue up and it'll never make it out of the committees where it's relevant. Uh, especially not the Judiciary Committee. Again, traditionally very conservative. So um, I'm worried about going the judicial route, even though that is where the local bottom-up route always ends up. Right. The optimistic part of me is absolutely with you on that hypothetical. Uh, And I would really love it if that was the route that we ended up taking. Uh, I think even as an optimist this isn't this isn't the administration that's going to deliver it unfortunately uh i don't think either uh, lowest common denominator wins <laughs> yeah politics ladies and gentlemen <laughs> either in the the executive or in who we have in the tiny tiny slim uh not even a real majority in the Senate. Uh, yeah, we have a majority if you count the independents. <laughs> right, we have a majority if you count the independents and the vice president, who, as we've established, is a cop. Um, yeah, yeah. And we have to count the like super conservative Democrats who wouldn't have been Democrats a couple decades ago. They're certainly Democrats. But they're certainly not progressives. Right, exactly. <laughs> so so for a progressive issue like this, it's a little bit hard to see how it gets passed. Um, that said, Paul, you don't get to call yourself a libertarian anymore. You're out. You should never have been in. Libertarian doesn't mean libertarian anymore. I know it doesn't. It's a shame. It's why I don't call myself a libertarian anymore. But that's not because my values have changed. It's because the libertarians are trash. <laughs> yeah. So it just, it's hard because I agree with the hypothetical you put forward. I don't think now is the moment where we actually get it. No, I even though it is the political moment for it. Correct. We could have had it eight, uh, eight years ago yep. because it was a similar political climate and we should have gotten it then. Because, but again, uh, there were other priorities, I guess. Why is not my personal specialty issue the one? It's not like there aren't other things going on, I guess. (laughs) I'm rolling my eyes at you. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Bisexual who only got gay marriage how many years ago? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying... I've been in a version of fights like this for a long time and I am tired and I just want to win now, please. If you wanted to legally divorce your wife, you could marry your husband any day now. It's true, 
but I would like no one to be married. We've already covered this. Let's just have contractual agreements about where our stuff goes, including our children, I guess. (laughs) Children are just stuff that we own, right? Is that how children work? I'm pretty sure. (laughs) I'm looking at you like you're a crazy person, but yes, you're correct that that's one of the hypotheticals. Uh, It would be the nicest hypothetical to get. False. Uh, I disagree about that. I do not think that's the nicest type of hypothetical. I don't think that's the best way to do this. I think in the current environment, most likely way to do this. Really, the nicest would be that you get a couple more beautiful test cases in big cities, right? You get DC, it goes smoothly. When challenged, it gets upheld. And it then stays the upheld. Whole- you get a couple more big cities that get upheld all the way up. Yeah. And then it becomes the law of the land, right? Like that's. I want it to happen at the state level legislatively. I don't want it to happen at the federal level because I want uh, uh, Connecticut to say, we need this for these specific issues that matter. And I want California to say we need it for these other specific issues that matter in California that don't matter in Connecticut or whatever. But I don't think that's how it happens. I don't think that that we ever get any sort of universal answer there. Mm. And so despite the fact that sort of in my most rose-colored glasses mode, that's the way I think it should happen. Uh leaving aside my desire to abolish all the state borders and just have a country, um, which is what I think should happen, but whatever. Um, The way we don't get crap like what happened to poor Texas. You're not your own country, you idiots. Anyway, um, (laughs) the (laughs) just saying, put make me king for a day and I solve a lot of issues very quickly. I see that you believe that. (laughs) Listen, I have never made a poor political decision, except for that one time when I was the the chairman for the Ralph Nader campaign (laughs) for a little while. Not the national campaign, but like Nader would have been an interesting president. That may have been my only bad political decision. I can't even. King for a day, vote for me. You don't vote for kings. (laughs) Anyway... So I'd let you polyamorous people all get married if you want. Except I don't because I abolish marriage. That's like act four. Maybe I should have had your husband on. He really believes in polyamorous marriage. Yeah, but he's doing a different podcast right now. So he's he's booked. And you're stuck with me forever. That's another issue. So let's talk about what happens uh, in the judicial path, because inevitably that's where we're going to start after these uh eventually some uptight karen whines that her neighbor is doing something that she thinks is immoral well right so let's say this passes in pennsylvania or jersey one of these states my first question is who has standing to challenge one of these ordinances okay depends where it passes is it a whole state or is it let's talk about what we have let's talk about say cambridge Okay. Cambridge's ordinance, who actually has standing to challenge it? So it's probably it, somebody's ex-husband or ex-wife, right? It depends. And it depends on what grounds they're challenging it. If they're challenging the town's law, 
right? So it's the mm-hmm. city's law in the first place. It would be really hard to challenge it. An right. insurance company might be able to challenge it on mm-hmm. the grounds that they don't on the grounds that they don't have to, for example, insure someone under it. Right. Yes, that's actually a really good point. That's where a likely challenge would come from because that's where the most likely say, challenge would come that's from. That's why they don't want to to let family coverage cover everyone even if you live in a multi-generational household for instance. Right. And they've never they've they've fought against that tooth and nail with the lobby with their mm-hmm. lobby money. Right. So that's probably where the challenge does come from is is somebody going, "Well, Cigna, now you've got to cover my uh, my extended polycule. Well, right. That's part of why Cambridge has so carefully defined how a family, what a domestic partner is under their ordinance that they as yet haven't passed, but they've now carefully drafted. Right, right, right. So, okay. So that seems to me to be the most likely challenge, or at least the, the most likely challenge that actually has standing and gets into a real hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, because they'll let insurance companies do whatever they want. Um, right. Theoretically, also another town that might lose tax income because some, if they phrase it in a way, like if Somerville phrases their law in a way where someone who technically lives in the next town over, like maintains a residence in an apartment in the next town over, mm-hmm. but is saying that they're the domestic partner of someone in Somerville. Okay. They're losing taxable income on someone, for example. But we don't really collect taxes that way, usually, unless it's an income tax, like, because your income tax would be on the house, not on. That would work if it was across state lines. Right, exactly. And nobody's traveling from Connecticut to Somerville. And on those grounds. That wouldn't apply under the domestic partnership grounds anyway, because I think you have to cohabitate under Somerville's uh yeah I think so I can't recall right now but I believe so I don't remember specifically but at least have to be in town yeah so um which is crazy because you don't have to cohabitate under marriage but whatever um we're not talking about the differences there's a reason why civil unions was bullshit am I allowed to say that sorry um I don't I mean, know. That was the argument for gay marriage was the civil unions was bullshit. So well, yeah, I just didn't know if my language was allowed. You can Apple swear podcast. as much as you want. Apple Podcasts is very puritanical. You can swear as much as you want. Oh, cool. Fuck you, Apple. Um, anyway. <laughs> I don't know. That was an unnecessary. They don't care if we swear so long as we don't like explicitly discuss sexual acts. Oh, okay. Well then, so Let's say in Somerville, some employers, uh, you know, local business that offers insurance because they're good guys to their employees. One of their employees is Polly, wants to get their 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 polycule covered. They live with two partners, mm-hmm. uh, so they technically should be covered. The insurance company, let's call them. I don't know. ABC Insurance. Yeah, generic insurance company. Mm-hmm. Um, says, oh, we don't cover that because they are going to rely upon 
their long-standing lobby money at the right. state and federal level that says they don't have to cover anybody. Right, a standard family plan. Right, they're going to say that their standard family plan only covers two adults and spouse, however many kids, legal spouse and children. Um, and there are certain other people, but again, it has to be under whatever In law. The state of Massachusetts and the state of Connecticut, uh, you have to. I bet a bunch of other states too, but I know in Massachusetts and Connecticut, you have to cover a non-legal spouse, a domestic partner who has certain provable documents, mm -hmm. but so they don't have to be a legal spouse right. so long as you have certain documents, but, but you only have to cover one. Cover two adults. And two adults. And uh, you want to get that third adult covered. So they say no. You say yes under this law. They say that law is not applicable because we are not a company that exists only in Somerville and it goes to court. It starts at the, I would guess, state superior court, I would assume in Massachusetts, before it gets to the district court, they would start with the state court um, where they're going to have a civil hearing. It's not, it's not going to be like a trial or anything. It's just going to be making some arguments pr almost I would argue that probably whichever judge gets that case immediately passes it to the district court anyway, rather than deciding it. Cause they're going to, they're going to see that the appeal happens regardless. Somerville district court. Yeah, there you go. They have their own district court. That's nice. Um, so I'm going to guess that that district court judge immediately passes this up to the higher court, right? They don't even hear the case, I would assume, because they know it's going to get appealed no matter which way it gets decided. I mean, they probably hear it, but... You think they even bother? Almost certainly they bother, but they probably hear it real fast. Just to get the arguments out there, I guess. Yeah, just to get the arguments so that they have the arguments on paper. And I guess it might not if it's this year because COVID. Yeah. And most uh, courts are conducting a minimum of activity. But right. assuming that they're back to a regular level of activity, they probably hear it just because the more times the arguments get heard, the better in terms of elaborating the arguments. Is this a court? Is this a uh, uh, the type of case where there's any damages attached? Probably not, right? It's just a matter of cover or don't cover. Mm, probably enforce coverage with back, with forced back coverage to the date they were supposed to start covering. Okay, or alternatively, the insurance company wins and nobody get they don't get coverage at all. Correct. Right. Um, okay. So. That judge makes a decision one way or the other. In if it's in Somerville District Court, they probably side in favor of the the Poly family under the Somerville ordinance, I would assume. Um, but again, that depends on arguments and a variety of factors, and that particular judge is uh bent, I would assume. Uh either way that gets appealed. Yep. Uh assuming that the family has money. Which yeah, assuming is not they a bad can... bet in Somerville. <laughs> well, either they have money or an advocacy group is helping them fund their appeal. Yeah, which there aren't a lot of advocacy groups on this issue as of yet. Well, true, but 
But but it's the, also the sort of thing that you could potentially crowdfund. No, potentially. Although that's always a questionable thing. I, I would. It's always super questionable, but it's also something that you could back cover for yourself potentially. Yeah, I would argue that you'd do better with like ACLU or uh, true. Legal- well, no, legal defense fund wouldn't do it. But ACLU, in and of themselves, are an advocacy group. Well, sure. It's just that this isn't one of their frontline issues. Usually, mm, they fair. A lot of times. Um, but regardless, so the uh, uh, assuming the funds are there because the insurance company's got the money to fight this. This is the kind of thing that they will fight all the way down the line, uh, almost inevitably, because they have been fighting against this since insurance companies have existed. There's going to be a big lobby against this. Um, so don't count on your Connecticut senators, folks, <laughs> or Delaware, <laughs> or Maryland. Um, but regardless, um, the uh, then it goes from the local district court to the state, uh, uh, the state court, right? Um, so Massachusetts, uh, or would no, it would go up to the 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 district court, right? Uh, I am looking up where the appeals go next. So. Do, do, do. Yeah, this, it goes up uh, to, Google there's a one level up appellate court. And then it goes from there to a Supreme state court. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's the top state one. Okay. So this so now. There's two levels of appellate courts within the state. Okay. And then when you're up out of that, uh, that's the top state level you're allowed to go to. So let's pause there. Yep. Uh, so we're at the, say, hypothetically, Massachusetts now. Mm-hmm. The decision made here would establish precedent throughout the state of Massachusetts. Correct. Potentially. Mm-hmm. Now, that is. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure what the makeup of the court is there now, but historically a pretty progressive court. Um, so there's, if it, when it gets that far, it's very likely that they decide um, in faith against the insurance company, unless the insurance company has really persuasive arguments about the, the financial fallout throughout the entire system. They're going to make all the dire warnings. They're going to make, a lot of arguments about general costs going up and lo- and and they're going to threaten to take away coverage from other vulnerable groups right. and Mass- that they won't be able to afford this. Right. Massachusetts is sort of middle of the road on insurance things, uh, health insurance wise. Sure. They're progressive for the country. Right. Um, but conservative, more conservative than the most progressive districts. Right. And on an issue like this, it's hard to predict where any court will land. Well, sure, because there's so many factors involved and many of them are heavily financially motivated, which will affect social progressivism. Right. And regardless of where this lands, the answer is then if they lose, the Supreme Court of the U.S. is the next court. Right. And that, to me, is a terrible outcome. Correct, because the current Supreme Court of the U.S. is not a place you want to bring a case like this to. 
Right. Now, depending on the decision in the lower court, there's probably a good chance that the Supreme Court of the U.S. just doesn't take this case up, regardless of the decision in the lower court, because they don't like to hear social issues currently, Mm -hmm. as there's so much in the national political sphere that they're afraid of addressing. So they may not want to hear it at all. Right. Unless it becomes a, uh, an economic ca- uh, related case, then they might hear it because well, right. if the Polly family wins, yeah, they might hear it. <laughs> right, right, exactly. They almost certainly wouldn't hear it if the insurance company won at the state level, mm-hmm. um, because they don't want to make it a national issue because their precedents now would be a national issue, and that affects the national insurance markets and there's going to be incredible pressure on the justices to decide in favor of the insurance company at that point. Right. And they and wouldn't, all the other insurance companies are going to file amicus briefs and threaten. It's going to be crazy. Right. And they wouldn't want to put instability on the market by taking up the case in the first place. Right. So they want to leave it in Massachusetts Yeah. in this hypothetical. The problem is if in Massachusetts, the poly family wins then it's great for Massachusetts and surrounding states, surrounding states that typically take Massachusetts as a precedent, like Connecticut, New Hampshire, Vermont, would take it as a precedent, right? So you would get things like Connecticut going, oh, Oh, we might change our law to require insurance companies to take this type of family if requested, Mm -hmm. right? But that would then require uh, employers or employees to divulge that an employee has this type of family. Right. right? So Which some people aren't out at work or how many employers are going to well, right. and check that- the box to opt for poly families because insurance plans, the burden is heavily carried by employers. Much more than by employees. I know a lot of people can't believe that because of how much they pay for their insurance every month. Usually the employer is paying the same or slightly more than you. Right. Um, If your employer is at all not evil. But the, um, the underside of this, the underbelly of this particular scenario is the, these decisions and eventual legislation can be written in such a way as to force out you because they can be written and the insurance companies if it forced into the situation would almost certainly argue for this and win that if you don't disclose a poly family situation when you're living in a poly family situation then you're in violation of the insurance coverage laws and so you've hypothetically committed insurance fraud and can be kicked off of the, the programs. Right. And Being so poly they, will become the new pre-existing condition. Right. So you get, they get to kick you off for not coming out if they discover that you're not out. Um, and so people who are closeted for all of the various reasons that people are closeted um, are put in a tough position. They have to either never explicitly be poly and never be out in any way or be out all the way and risk all the things that that comes with, including your employer in a state like Connecticut, just 
firing you because they can do that in an at-will employment state because there are none of this includes anti-discrimination, mm-hmm. which is a whole nother issue because there are not any protections about anti-discrimination around polyamory. The DC one does include some anti-discrimination clauses. Okay. So, so but. maybe that's coming down the line because that's the next implication is, is uh, employers who are going to be threatened by their insurance coverers for higher costs. Right. Are then to are not going to enjoy the idea of having to yeah. put anti-discrimination uh, policies into position. Right. And I'm not going to, and like, I don't think that that's going to affect a lot of the small employers who offer insurance Yeah, because they're already paying too much. And so it's going to be not that big a deal for them because very few of their employees are going to be an issue, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. This is going to be Walmart going, oh, well then we just don't offer insurance anymore. Right. Or it's going to be Walmart going, oh, well, if we don't have to include them in anti-discrimination stuff, we're just going to ask this. Yep. It'll become a part of the 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 uh, interview form that they make everybody fill out. It's going to be right along with the anti-union video. Yeah. Yep. And then they just won't hire you. And so there will be a whole another layer to that, um, which is sort of unintended consequence of going the judicial route. The legislative route, is a little bit safer because hypothetically they write in legislation into the legislation anti-discrimination you can't fire somebody just because they opt in right but it's also the hardest part to keep in legislation is the anti-discrimination piece right as we've seen why we lost the um the fine for the public option not having insurance is right. because that was designed to prevent discrimination. It forces everyone to be in. Correct. And, and they like, got that out by saying, oh, but that's a tax or whatever the stupid argument was. Right. It was that that was a tax thrown in. And so they removed it under an anti-taxation. Right. Clause. Dumb um, because Congress can pass taxes. It was a bad argument that was decided politically. Correct. But that's the Supreme Court for you. They're garbage. Anyway. <laughs> um, uh, I'm just saying the whole Supreme Court was a bad idea to begin with, and it it's never could have been allowed. It's a Supreme Court now also. Huh? It's a different Supreme Court now. The, the Supreme worst. Court was an okay idea. It's been implemented poorly and evolved in a very challenging manner. Like, it look, was always a bad idea, and it has become a wor- it has become its worst form as a result of it having been a bad idea. Any group of people getting the final say forever, terrible choice. Except for me, obviously. King for a day. I'm looking at him in such a tone of voice. Obviously, I would be a benevolent and fair ruler. No. Vote Ken for king. No. I can what you need. That's my slogan. Fuck you. <laughs> anyway. Like, uh, metaphorically, God. not literally, Apple Podcast. Guys. I am actually pretty damn optimistic about the actual sort of prospects of increased legal recognition of polyamory and poly families in the coming years. Same. 
despite the fact that we're sort of doom and glooming this here? Well, I don't think we are doom and glooming it. I think we're saying that there's a lot of different paths that could track toward. And the one that's going, that that's happening sort of little by little is a positive path. It's just that the, the, the we just don't know which way it's going to go. And it's going to be a long and slow process, like all civil rights situations are, I think. But I think in the end, we've learned that society inevitably moves toward greater acceptance. Look, I'm generally an optimist about social issues. The world is significantly better than it was 50, 100, or even 20 years ago for marginalized communities in general, um, and really for everyone in general. Um, so that's good. That means that over time, good things will happen. Progressives win. Conservatives lose. In general, I really do think that we're making really steady progress and, or maybe steady is the wrong word. Incremental. Yeah. Really positive progress. And even if, even in a year like this one, that has been very generally a garbage fire. (laughs) (laughs) there has been really positive movement and it's nice to be able to look at it and go, wow, people are doing good in the world. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And And I think that the, the recognition that's implicit and explicit in things like the Somerville uh, ordinance or the Cambridge proposed ordinance or the DC law is that people understand that are starting to understand that families are not traditional families are non-traditional and that is a curve that's been happening for you know 150 years here in the US you know it uh uh and i think that it's a, an ever sharpening curve you know we're we're in a hockey stick pattern on this And so it took a shamefully long time for people to realize that sort of interracial relationships were okay. And then for people to realize that same sex relationships were okay or uh, gender a respective relationships were okay. And so little by little, we're moving toward a world where the legislation will just say we don't make legislation about your relationships and hopefully that's the idea the ideal outcome that i see i would like the all of the laws just go oh we're a government we don't we don't care stop stop asking us it's not our job that definition has been broadening over the last 20 30 50 years to include more and more different types of family and looks of family and and varieties of quote-unquote family um and despite the fact that i obviously don't like the fact that there has to be a legal definition of family there obviously does because if you don't allow those definitions then the the default will always be to discriminate because 
the discrimination serves an economic end for whoever is attempting to do that discrimination. They want to cut out things that they have to spend money on. So you need to define that at least as long as economics exist. Um, but we'll talk about my belief in the uh, uh, excoriation of economics in a different podcast, probably. Um, but the the expansion of these sort of definitions of families is good, certainly for uh, we who are polyamorous, because uh, our quote unquote non-traditional family structures are not even unheard of historically and certainly not shouldn't be considered a problem legally um and quite frankly i don't think it's anyone's job to protect insurance companies from anyone let them all go out of business um if they can't support you know insuring people insurance is a scam different podcast we'll get there um <laughs> we won't you might no, I probably won't either. I will never have a, a podcast where I just monologue on the things, the insane opinions I have, but they're good opinions in that I can make convincing arguments about them. Um, and I think that the, the end goal of more um, acceptance, I don't like tolerance as a concept. I prefer acceptance. Uh, is good and achievable. It's just a matter of getting there and sort of overcoming the fatigue of continually advocating. And that's, I think, the biggest hurdle is making the advocacy remain constant as times change. Little by little, the, the positions that used to be conservative or rather used to be progressive, aren't progressive anymore. They're middle of the road and so on and so forth. And so that's, you know, that's good for us. So I'm an optimist and an anarchist probably. Only the relationship kind. Eh, also the government kind, unless I'm king for a day, in which case- No, you're just a libertarian politically. The real kind, though, not the Rand Paul kind. He's not a libertarian. He's not. You are. Uh, only a social libertarian. Right. You're only not the real. You're the real kind, not the, not the capital L, actually a Republican. Yeah, so here's the problem with the libertarianism movement in this country. I saved you all from this rant. I just cut it. You can thank me later. Wait, I'm halfway through recording it right now. Um, so uh, if you prefer audiobook versions of your poetry books or you've never listened to one, uh, audio is an excellent way to consume poetry. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. My And he's a wonderful away. reader. Oh, thank you. Even though he's getting gross, as evidenced by talking through that burp. He's like John Mulaney. He's not old yet. He's just gross, which comes before old. Lost my breath there halfway through. I've had, I have had coronavirus. Don't you judge me. He's been drinking soda this whole time. That was talking through a burp. <laughs> I will show you talking through a burp. He's the thing <laughs> before old. It's gross. Extremely old get off my lawn.
<laughs> so thank all of you for listening to Ken being extremely old and talking through a lot of legal hypotheticals with me. And as always, you can find our blog at www.readyforpolyamory.com. You can find the Patreon at patreon.com slash readyforpolyamory. And I'm eternally grateful if you pledge some support there. You can also find the Ko-Fi at ko-fi.com slash readyforpolyamory if you'd like to drop a one-time tip in my hat. And in a couple of weeks, I'm teaching at Tethered Together my Beyond the Kitchen Table class, which is on Saturday, March 20th. So if anybody's interested in that, the conference is running from the 19th to the 21st, and you can sign up for tickets to the whole conference at tetheredtogether.net. That's $30 for the weekend, and there's a lot of good people teaching. There's a lot of classes on polyamory and on alternative relationships in general, if you're interested in signing up for that. So uh, those are now $30 for the weekend. So if you're interested, that's a great opportunity. Uh, you'll see my class and you might see me in other classes. So uh, maybe take, go take a look. Again, thanks for listening and have a great week. See you next week for the last episode of this season. Then we'll be taking a short break before jumping into season three.